0: Welcome to Freeze All Motor Functions, a podcast for Westworld newcomers and veterans alike that doesn't sound like anything to me. I'm Jared Borslow, and I'm here with Ross Bolin. What up? Let's do this. How you doing, Ross? I'm pumped. I think that the real big game was the Westworld Season 2 trailer last night. It
1: was. It was. Uh, And it worked out nicely, because we already had plans on recording the show today, obviously. Them releasing the Season 2 trailer got a ton of hype going around Westworld again, which for the record, you should obviously not watch if you haven't seen season one. If this is going to be your first watch, we are not dropping any spoilers and we don't want anything getting ruined for you in any way, shape, or form. So stay the hell away
0: from promo for season two because it's a little revealing. Yeah. The season two trailer, if you if you have not seen season one, you'll see some things that might, they might give you some ideas of what happens.
1: Don't don't watch it. The don't best part
0: uh, about the season two trailer if you have not seen season one is that it confirmed that april 22nd is the date it comes back yes we were wrong We well we were close we were we were one week off but we did plan for this like the smart boys that we are because now if you listen to freeze all motor functions recaps of episode one through ten you will finish with one week in between episode 10 of season one and episode one of season two and in that week, we'll have a nice little thing of uh, preview for you. There you go. So again, we're going to knock out the entirety of Season 1, spoiler-free.
1: If you have never seen the show, you can watch it all with us right now. Uh, Literally
0: right now. And then we're going to enjoy Season 2 together when that thing kicks off, April 22nd. Because there are probably some people here like listening to this because of the Super Bowl commercial, maybe wanting some commentary, we will give it to you, but with no spoilers. Uh, my favorite thing about it last night, aside from the Justin Timberlake kid memes that popped up with him on his phone and then next to Google uh, was the fact that the Westworld trailer started off Looking like one of those like cheesy "Be a good person, the world is beautiful." Paul Harvey like speech commercials, right? With a like, beautiful American scenery, riding horses in grains of wheat. It could have been like a car commercial. It could have been, yeah. I thought it was a commercial for like Toyota or Mountain Dew, and then and then you instantly see that it is not. It is Westworld, and it's fucking wild. And
1: then at the very end of the commercial, it dropped like the the piano key from Kanye's Runaway, which. Really got my attention, and then the full blown trailer that they dropped. Obviously, that's not what aired during the, the Super Bowl, but it's what they wanted people
0: to go watch as a result of the Super Bowl ad. That runaway serves as the backdrop to the whole trailer. So, if you like Kanye, and you're not yet sold on Westworld, I think this settles it. Yeah, and if you like both, it was just like a double erection, which yeah. I was super psyched on. Both of them were up and 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 waving like a like a flag. Sure. Uh yeah, but newcomers do not watch season 2 trailer if you haven't seen season 1. Stay away from it. Don't don't go there. So, we're here, Freeze on Motor Functions, episode 1. Here is how the show works. With each recap, we will go through that week's episode. This week is episode 1 from top to bottom. From HBO fuzzy screen intro to the end of the credits. With absolutely no spoiling of anything that comes after where we are in our watch. We're on episode one, season one. You're not going to know anything about any of the other episodes or anything about how episode one relates to it. We're not going to be like, oh, this will come into play in episode eight. No, we're not going to do anything. Like None that. of that shit.
1: We're not going to mess anything up. We've been in black, uh, you know... Erased our
0: memories Yeah with, with the flashy thing Yeah yeah and We also have a pug Who sits in the studio with us Like Men in Black Yeah we do just And also like we have Will Smith here uh, Screaming clean rap lyrics at Just us. total coincidence That those two things are involved Yeah It's wild We hadn't we booked them anyways For the entire season It just yeah. really happened to work out Yeah uh, So yeah No spoilers And we're gonna be commenting On overall plot and themes at large As well as anything and everything Funny, interesting, insane, weird, bizarre, sexual Ross give me more adjectives be- beautiful, beautiful. I don't know. Ross is just going to only comment on things he finds beautiful. Yeah, that's it. I'm here for the art. Wow, Dolores, she's so pretty. The landscape, the western landscape. Oh, it is beautiful. That's why it costs $25 million. Get yes. those shots. So, uh, I'm going to say it for the millionth time, because in, in case you're here thinking we might spoil it for you, there will be no spoilers. Yeah, I think they get it. Okay, just making sure. But we will recap the episode, each one, under the premise that you watch that entire episode. Because why would you be listening to an episode recap if you didn't watch the yeah, episode? Yeah, that seems pretty obvious and straightforward. It does. but Don't, there's some, don't listen to the, the podcast until you've watched yeah. the episode. Yeah. So we're not going to say some unnamed guy who you don't know his name was interviewed. Like, no, by the end of the episode, you, you know, know who them. that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if there is something we don't cover in our episode recap that you think we should have, call into our hotline. And if we think that it is particularly poignant or as the French say mm-hmm. Yes, we'll address it at the beginning of the following episode's recap so an example of something you might call in about you'd say after this one hey you guys didn't cover the whole thing with all the flies which we will do today obviously." an example of something to not call in about yo check out the size of that one dude in cold storage's hog man I mean, you can call in about that if you want. We're not
1: going to play the call yeah. on the show, and we're not going to discuss that. No, uh, and I'm sure we already
0: noticed it. Because we'll
1: already have commented on it if we see a huge hog. But yeah, I mean, uh,
0: be constructive with your with your hotline calls if you would. Um. So the hotline we're going to use for this episode is 800-392-6344, but we are going to set up our own hotline. Do you have a funny hotline number for us? As an example, like I do another show called the Ross Bolin Podcast, where the hotline
1: number is eight 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 W R Bolin, because that's my name, my initials. My and name. we want
0: something that's more funny and less straightforward. Than yeah, you. like uh, whatever the one for
1: oysters, clams, it, and cockles is.
0: It could be eight hundred Dolores. It could be eight hundred West World. That's I kind of like that one. That's a front runner. I don't even. I don't even get it. What? West because that, that's too many letters. No D. Wait, numbers. Yeah, no D. I can't count. I I, I just called letters numbers. But yeah, if you got a good
1: idea for the hotline number,
0: what it should be, hit us up. Yeah, we might use it. And yeah, here here uh here we go. Let's do it. Let's get an episode one, season one, episode one. The original. The original. Uh, there are some speculation as to why it's called that. One is because Dolores is the original host in the park, as you find out in the, in the episode. That is definitely one meaning. One of the original, maybe not the original. No, she's the original. Is she, is she the original one? She's the, Well, she's the oldest host. Oh, the, the oldest still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. still okay. active. And another one was because of the sequel to the movie Westworld. It's called Future World. And there's something called the original in Future World. They make
1: a lot of references to stuff from the movies that don't necessarily affect yeah, your viewership as a—I have not seen the movies. I have not. I, I have no intention of ever watching the movies.
0: I'm going show purely, pure show. The That's only reason I, I can find to actually watch the movie would be to get the subtle references, but I don't need subtlety in my life. There's enough of those. We're good. Yeah, on depth with this one. Westworld yeah, is plenty deep. There's a lot of things you can look into. So the fact that I would give myself willingly more would just make my life a living hell. Your head would explode. Yeah, I think it would. Oh, there's a great head-exploding scene that we'll talk about later. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, this episode was written with the help of Michael Crichton, who wrote and directed the original Westworld movie. Ooh, I believe it's the only one that Ooh. was actually written That was written with his help.
1: Nice of them to bring him in and get him involved.
0: It is, because I really think he is, and they're about to make millions and millions of dollars off of him. Uh, now, we'll start off here with the intro sequence. I have two thoughts about the intro that I've literally had I mean, you were joking, right? You know who Michael Christian is. I is he? An, is he? He's a very famous author. Mm, is he the guy who wrote those those books about the uh, unse- the series? Of, he wrote the, Jurassic Park. The series bro. of unfortunate events. No. I I know he wrote Jurassic Park. Okay, he wrote well, Twister. Nah, mm, so you're saying he doesn't need this money? No, he does not need this money. Well, I'm sure he probably wants it. Anyways, the intro sequence. These are the two thoughts I've always had, literally since the second I started watching it. Uh, number one. If I didn't know what this show was about before I saw the intro, and I just went in completely cold, I would have no idea what the fuck I was watching. It got me psyched though. Like when I, it, it, it's a very
1: enticing intro, and I love the song, and uh, it get it gets you pumped for what you're
0: about to see. Well, everybody also knows you have no idea what it is. Yeah. but yeah. Well, you also love three D printing. I do. I'm I'm really big into three D printing. So Ross bought a three D printer uh, after Westworld. What was like the first thing you made again? It was a uh, it was a cat. A cat. A 3D cat. Yeah. It was one of those little tiny ones that like waves that you see in sushi restaurants. Yeah. Exactly. It's pretty sick, I will say. So, everything that's in the intro makes a ton of sense in the context of actually if you know what Westworld is, like, oh, 3D printed stuff for the park. But otherwise, I would think I was watching an episode of How It's Made about CPR dummies. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, a w- lot of... Uh... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Like, oh, HBO got the rates of How It's Made. I guess I'll watch this thing about... Making out with a mannequin or is something. It's a show about how they make mannequins for uh, for stores in the malls to put clothes on. So that always really kind of weirded me out, but it's it is a phenomenal intro. That that music just just amps HBO me. HBO
1: rarely time. misses with their intro sequences, and this is no different. Oh, it's very good.
0: Uh I will say The Night of. Unbelievable intro sequence. Yeah. HBO crushes yeah, it. Yeah. As is Game of Thrones, as is the Sopranos, uh, and everything they do. The and, Wire. And for as much as I love Westworld, this second thing is one of the only criticisms I've ever had about the show. The skeleton playing the piano is 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 so comically absurd. Yeah, it, it's a little cheesy. It's the cheesiest thing I've ever seen in my life. It's a little cheesy. It, uh, it, it reminds me, this is a very topical joke, it doesn't look like it's animated that well, which reminds me of the absurd Tom Brady and Nick Foles animations they had in the Super Bowl last night. Yeah, that was bad. Like, that was Madden 2002.
1: Yeah, it was very... <laughs> what, so, was the, what the fuck was that? I've seen way, be way
0: better versions of that. Somebody needs to be fired for that. <laughs> like, do you think somebody deleted a file? or like They had to do it at the last minute. I, I, I will never, I'll never get over that. I can't believe that that was something they let happen. It was weird. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the intro sequence? Anything, anything else? No, no, that's it. I love it. It's great. And uh, so, right out of the intro sequence, you get into... Uh, into the show. Dolores is interviewed in a room by the guy we find out is Bernard. Right. And she starts off naked. Um, If you haven't gotten this yet, that's the first, it literally, this series starts off with nudity and I think that's a great pace to set. It is. Because the amount of, the amount of naked people that that are there is astronomical. Oh, producer Micah's eyes are lighting up. It's science nudity. It's, uh, you know, they're just sitting. They're not,
1: at least in this particular scene that we're talking about, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's like when you when you look at old pictures of like, you know, from the past when people didn't wear clothes yet, you know, you're not like, oh man, that's hot. You're like, wow, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: like the photos of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, but, yeah but without the it.
1: but without the strategic leaf covering yeah, everybody's Adam's penis. seen those those photos, <laughs>
0: from the first camera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we see Dolores in the room in this very futuristic kind of room sitting on a stool yeah kind of slumped over and then uh we see kind of close up of her face and there's this fly that's walking all over her face fun fact that's a real fly that like walked over her face apparently and this is something i read on the internet so it has to be true there there was a fly you know how you freeze flies and they kind of are dead and then they come back to life when they thaw out no, but that's tight. So apparently, this is a frozen fly they like put, and as it woke up, it like moved around her face. But when it got on her eyeball, that was CGI. I was gonna say it. There's no way that she just sat there completely still while a real fly crawled around on her eyeball. Dolores, A.K.A. Evan Rachel Wood, is a phenomenal actress, but I don't know if any actress could just sit there dead faced as a Daniel fly. Day-Lewis, the only person who could do that. Who? Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh yeah if that was if you told him that was his character
1: then yes he'd get he'd go method and he'd become an actual ai
0: uh, he he retired they say i know sad rip so uh, now the whole intro you kind of can combine Bernard interviewing Dolores with the man in black killing Teddy that whole entire sequence of like 15 13 minutes or whatever is really all the same scene and so, what I find most compelling personally about the first uh, beginning of season one, episode one, is how they have two scenes going simultaneously that work off each other so well. You right. have Dolores being interviewed by Bernard. Right. And that's essentially narrating the entire storyline of the man in black killing Teddy. Right. And obviously, Dolores going about her day and Teddy going about his day. That was wild. Yeah, and the episode closes off with Dolores being asked
1: the exact same sequence of questions that so that you're aware, you know, yeah. this is like a protocol that goes on. When Bernard's at when that initial voiceover at the beginning of the show, you don't have any idea what the hell's going on, who she is, what she is, who's asking her questions, or why. And the only reason we know after is because Bernard's voice is obviously very distinct. Yeah,
0: yeah, but no, it's it's beautifully done. I, I remember when I was doing my first watch through and you uh, newcomers, by the way, I'm calling you newcomers. I think it's a great joke to call new Westworld Watchers newcomers. Get it. Do you guys get it? Yeah, you get, like, it. yeah newcomer, you get Yeah, newcomer. get it. Okay, so I remember when I was a newcomer, I was watching the show and I was like, this show is really cool because I love like the visual effects because you have Teddy and Dolores riding through, I believe, what is actually Utah in real life, but the most picturesque, beautiful place you could ever ride a horse with somebody Damn, through. that's Utah? Yeah, I think so. Ooh. You probably hated Utah until you heard that. Hot. Yeah, looks great. But I remember watching that and being like, this is this is visually stunning, but I have no idea what is happening right now. Right. Until Bernard says to her, you know, what if, what if I told you that your life is to please the people who come and pay us money to come here and interact with you? Yeah, that's when you start to put together what's going on here. Yeah. That this is a, a theme park of sorts, a very futuristic one. Of yeah. That, but... I just remember, literally, that was the moment I was like, I understand exactly what's happening. I don't understand who the man in black is, and I don't understand why the fuck he's, like, brutally attacking Dolores. Ed Harris, so angry. Very angry. Very angry, man. But I, I remember thinking, that was the moment I was all in on this show. Cause yeah, I mean, that that's the hook right there. The first 20 minutes of the show had me hooked big time. So... A part that's very important to go over in the beginning of the show is the original Teddy sequence of him being on the train to him getting killed by the man in black because when they run it back later on in the episode, his day is completely different. Right. But it's very subtle differences that I don't, like they have to be important, you know? It's super cool how the take, what you eventually figure out in this episode that there are
1: hosts and newcomers on this train. Like, yes. te- Teddy's on the train, and Teddy's part of the show. Like, you know, Teddy's not a real human. But there are newcomers on the train who
0: are paid to be there riding in to Westworld to do their thing. So they populate the train into Westworld with a few hosts just to kind of, you know, get the ball rolling. And right. Make them feel like the second that they get into Sweetwater, which is, is the main town in Westworld, yeah. that, boom, they are there and... It starts... Yeah, the, ex- the experience for you starts yeah. the second you get on the train as a visitor. So Yeah, so the whole Teddy sequence, the first one, uh, he is on the train and then there's the guy in front of him talking about how he changed from being good, which he calls White Hat. Right. Uh, and he's, he changes from that and the second time he went, he changed to being bad. He said like pure evil. Yeah. Straight evil. And he said yeah. it was like the best week or two weeks of his, his two life. Two weeks of his life. So that guy, you know, is there to fuck some shit up.
1: Well, and it gives you the immediate... Insight into what Why people would go to this park Yes And it it's to live out You know Fantasies Good or bad And be able to do things Free of consequence uh, You know
0: For a cost So then you have this Badass guy Who's just there to fuck shit up Teddy gets off the train And he's next to this Like nice couple and, and she's like Wow it's so beautiful And he says Oh better be for what I'm paying for it Right So you have this You have a lot of different people Coming to this park Well you, you have, get the impression yeah. That it's quite expensive Yes. to have one of these experiences. So I guess they're not that different in terms of the wealth they have. They are all very rich. Yes. Well, but that's at least what's implied, yes. I believe. Unless know. there's some sort of charity, like, hey, come right. to yeah. for free, yeah. make a wish. But it seems like this is a thing for rich people yes. to come do. Yeah. Whether you want to be a black hat, which is the opposite of a white hat, and fuck shit up, or you want to be a white hat and come here and have a nice time and... Be a hero. Be a hero. Yeah. yeah. Either way, you're acting out... Some kind of role. Maybe. Yeah. So, Teddy gets off the train. He hears that couple have the conversation about it being beautiful there. He bumps into a guy. Uh, and then the sheriff asks Teddy if he wants to go kill Hector Escaton, And Teddy says, no, not today. Not today. Not, not today. He heads into a brothel where he's approached by Clementine, who is the lead prostitute. Well, Maeve is the lead prostitute. Right? She's the madame the madam. Can yeah. you pay to have sex with Maeve? Is that how yes. how do tell me I feel like you know a lot about brothels, Ross. How does a brothel work? Well, typically a madam
1: is an older prostitute probably on the, you know, the downswing. She's way. a little aged. So she runs the place, but I don't think that's necessarily the case with Maeve. I believe that she's also available
0: for oh. purchase. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. So the, I don't know. I don't know if she's technically you know, yeah. a madam. I don't know. And that's two means of income she has. Sure. That's kind of, that's good for her. She's a very savvy businesswoman. She is. So, uh, Teddy says to Clementine, I, he says, what, I don't want to pay for a woman's affection. Right. And then Maeve has that amazing line where she says, you're always paying for a woman's affection. The difference is our costs are fixed and posted right there on the door. Great hooker line. Great fucking hooker line. Yes. Like that just shows, that's like every hooker in a nutshell, like very, very snarky. Like they know what they're talking about.
1: Well, that's the belief you have to have to have to be a prostitute.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've, you seem like you know a lot. And about There's this. a lot of truth to that. There is. There is a lot of truth to that. There is. It's, it's, yeah, I agree. It's kind of people, you know, living under the impression that that paying for sex is bad, and it's like, well, you, we're all we're all trying to get the same you thing, know, whether you're paying for it or we're not, paid for it in some way. Exactly. So, uh, and then Teddy looks out the window, sees Dolores, heads back to her homestead. The whole conversation. This is. This is. I'm going to be pointing out a lot of like weird things just so for us to like comment on because. Yeah. That's part of the reason I want to do this show is so I can have somebody to talk about this with. Right. The whole conversation about the Judas steer. Yeah, that was bizarre.
1: Him asking her how they get them all to go in the same direction. She explains that there's a Judas that, you know, it's the one up front that if you can get him to go somewhere, they all follow. And I tried to, I'm assuming that's some kind of biblical reference. But from what I know about Judas, nobody followed him to betray Jesus. He did it on his own. So I don't really know, I I just don't understand how they got that, the Judas Steer. And I'm sure somebody out there knows, if you do, please call in and explain it to us. But yeah, yeah, that was the whole, there's all these interesting conversations that take place, especially in episode one, because, you know, it's the the pilot episode of the show. They're setting up all these ways for you to think about certain things, and it's very difficult to
0: pick out exactly what the takeaway is supposed to be from some conversations like that one. My favorite part about the whole Judas Deer thing is how Teddy is amazed that uh, Dolores knows what a Judas Deer is. She is like in her 20s and grew up with her dad being a rancher. It would be weird if she did not know that. Yeah. And I love how she points
1: out that he just dresses like a cowboy. He doesn't actually... Act like one? Yeah. That he
0: isn't actually one. Yeah. Well, he doesn't know what a Judas Deer is. So maybe that's like the barometer in, in, in the West world or any sort of Western place. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about what happens when they get back to the homestead. Yes. They they walk up there, Dolores notices that all the cows are still running around and she's like dad would never let this happen. Right. You hear gunshots, Teddy runs after him. And we see Rebus, absurd name, Rebus. Is Rebus the Grand Theft Auto guy? <laughs> I don't I don't know, is he? So Rebus the the which one is the one who betr-
1: who uh freaks out later on? That's Walter. So Rebus then, the mustache, mustachioed yes. one, that guy is a character in Grand Theft Auto. What? Five. Really? Yeah. He's like the white trash, I guess, best friend of the main character. Uh, Trevor is the name of him in Grand Theft Auto. Anyway, if you, if you played Grand Theft Auto, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And the guy looks exactly <laughs> like him. Uh, it's just wild that. When you see him on this show, you're like, "Holy shit, is that the guy from Grand Theft Auto?" And it looked, it is him. Whenever I don't Here's a, here, here, Jared, for some uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: I can kind of see that.
1: No, it's it's him, legitimately him. Although I will say, he's I, the
0: voice actor who plays Trevor. I don't recognize people from video games. I don't recognize non-human people and be like, "Oh, you look like that fake guy." I mean, normally you wouldn't, but that's literally him. Like they couldn't have done a better job with the
1: graphics in Grand Theft Auto. There's a picture of him in real life. <laughs> okay, yeah. And there's a picture of him on the game. Yeah. It's
0: it's just exactly no. Him. That's true. That is him. nuts. Wow. Shouts to GTA. Yeah. Shouts to Fortnite. Hot in the streets right now. Cha, cha. Uh. So yeah. Uh. Rebus kills Peter Dolores's dad. Shoots him in the head. And then Teddy comes up, shoots Rebus shoots Walter before Walter tries to have sex with Dolores mom's corpse which is still warm enough apparently that no one is going to judge him. Yeah, what's do we think there's like is what's the temperature, Ross? The judging temperature. I have no idea. Hopefully I never do. And do you think REBUS knew what the judging temperature was? Looked at her and said, "Yeah, I bet she's above that." Or was he just guessing and trying to make Walter feel better? I think he's just speaking in generalities. Huh. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't proclaim to know too much about having sex with corpses. That's good. I hope not. Maybe in a few weeks we'll get an expert on, and he can tell us. We, I, we could try to. There's, I'm sure, some serial killers still alive who that was their thing that are locked up. Yeah. Uh, we could perhaps get an explanation if that's something you really want to delve into. Personally, I think we're good. Call in if you want that. 800-392-6344 So after Teddy kills them, um, you know, we we walk in and we see Walter. He's bleeding. His blood is bleeding into the milk, that's that's spilled on the floor. Very cool. Very cool looking. Scene mm. ties back in later. A lot of milk in this, uh, oh, a lot episode. of milk, yeah, especially in the brothels. You know, what if I mean? you're
1: not supposed to cry over spilled milk,
0: there's a lot of spilled milk, don't cry, those are the rules. Very poignant, Yes, yeah. very poignant. So, this is when we meet the guy who we will refer to as the man in black. So, he Dolores looks up from her dead dad and sees this guy standing over her. She... And we originally think that he is another bad another bad guy who was just there part of the raiding party, raiding Dolores' homestead. We find out right away that he is not at all. He's not a, he's not even a newcomer, because he's anything but new. He has been going to the park for thirty years, he says. He's a veteran. Veteran. This is Ed Harris' character. Yes. And so Teddy tries to kill him because he's, you know defending Dolores. Def- yeah. He's 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 defending Dolores as it's very clear that the man in black is going to do bad shit to her. He can't kill him. Uh, and that's used with Bernard's narration to demonstrate how the robots cannot harm the guests. Yeah, so... Well, I don't know how it's loaded up or what the... Uh, the but obviously, the the
1: guests have real firearms that are effective and can kill the the hosts. Yes. But the hosts cannot do any damage to the guests at yes. all. It's also interesting in this scene how familiar the man in black is with Dolores and Teddy. He says something like, no matter how many years I've been coming here, you still don't recognize me. Yep. And uh, it just, it's this kind of like sadistic, you know, personality that they paint up for the man in black. And then obviously the teasing of Teddy, who can't even hurt him, like kind of just playing head games with him for no reason. It's like, it's just kind of, you know, odd. If he's been coming for 30 years and he's still doing that type of He's still of shit. doing that stupid ass routine. That's like, the part I mean look I get they have to set up the character but it's a little odd <laughs> that he would still waste time like you know jacking with
0: a a, yeah. a robot's emotions. It has been 30 years man in black. Yeah, I, get, get, get over it bro. For me I do that it's like when you it's like you know, bring back the Grand Theft Auto. When you get the new Grand Theft Auto you immediately just kill everybody and then you stop playing Grand Theft Auto like three months later when that gets old. Right, this man has been doing that a hundred times as long, and it's still not old to him. Yeah, he's still just slitting throats and taking Dolores into the barn and and doing rape. He's I, he's he's a sicko. He's a wild boy. Yeah. So after that whole scene, Dolores gets dragged away, cuts out, and we get to see our first look of Westworld headquarters. But the way they get into that is, I feel like there's some misconceptions. So. You zoom, it gets onto Teddy Who's on the train There's a new group of people Sitting in front of him It's some women this time Right And then you have The big zoom out scene yes. As I call it I think it's a funny name for it The big zoom out scene Yeah That's a That's a good name I think So Teddy's on the train And, and it kind of Zooms out slowly You start to see The landscape gets Smaller and smaller The buttes get Smaller and smaller Right And then you see That you're in this Futuristic headquarters And there's this Entire world On this little tiny Table type thing Sure, well, it's like a, yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of people, when they first watch it, think that that small world on the table is Westworld, and that everything inside is miniature, and it's like a small microcosm of this m- much larger world. Yeah, it'd be easy to get that impression that uh, what they're looking at is actually Westworld,
1: but it's no, it's it's like a hologram yeah. or a representation it, of it, or they're they're watching what
0: happens yes. inside the park. That is not the park. That is a map, an interactive map. Yeah, and a, a futuristic map. But they don't even try to like mislead you to that because if you you know they if you look in the headquarters, everything inside they're clearly working on all these cowboys and working on all these horses and making new things to the park all those are normal sized yeah but you
1: could still take away that there's some kind of like you know they build the stuff there and then it goes through something that makes it small and goes it, it,
0: it, anyway point being i will not stand for you a, being a, map. a mini park apologist you can't I'm not, don't apologize for these people all right all right all right thank you what is this a park for ants yeah exactly that's yeah. that's a great that's a great way of putting it yeah so uh this is where after it goes through kind of we see the whole how the headquarters works, and we see how the development process goes. What things are being made? With this, what it, I I never thought of it that way, but it pretty much is three D printing. Yes, that they're the way they make these everything that goes into the park that's alive. Yeah. Um. So we get to see uh, Bernard, the guy who was talking to Dolores in the beginning. You finally see him. Him and one of his uh, team members, Elsie, are working on Clementine, who is the prostitute who talked to Teddy in the saloon. I always remember Bernard or the actor that plays Bernard from
1: Casino Royale Oh, is like the main movie that I always remember him from. And I think this was like the first thing I watched after Casino Royale that was uh, that he was a starman.
0: And I was like, hey, Jeffrey Wright. Yeah. Great actor. No, he's fantastic. Um, And this is the first time. Well, the second time that we see more of the scientific nudity that is going to burn itself into your brain over the next few months. You get used to it pretty quick though. You do. Yeah. The yeah, it starts it starts like I'd say watching episode one with your with your parents would be pretty weird. But if you if you like got through episode one, maybe episode two, you would be so desensitized to it by episode three. Honestly,
1: the nudity in this show has never really thrown me for a loop. Like with all the nudity we see in modern movies and television shows and especially popular ones like Game of Thrones, that's the nudity that when you're watching with your parents you're like, ooh, this is awkward. But this is it really is more like scientific. It's just, a, you know, they're just sitting there nude. Being and examined. It's uh,
0: There's some male full frontal that's a little awkward, but, but other than that, yeah. Um, so this is where we learn about the center point of episode one, which is the reveries. Right. The reveries, as we learn from Bernard, um, so he looks at Clementine, and she's touching her lip in a certain way and Elsie and him note that that's not she's not programmed to they've, do that. they've never seen this before. So the way the hosts work in the park is that they have they have a loop, a program that they have to do. They literally can't do anything else, but they are they are afforded minor improvisation because when you're interacting with people, you don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. You need to be able to react. So those reactions are purged at the end of each narrative loop, as they call it, or each interaction that you have with a person going through the course of your day. It resets them back to their standard operating procedure. So they don't remember any of their improvisations. They just go right back to how they were programmed to go. Right. But uh, Bernard notes that Ford, with this update called the Reveries, found a way for the robots to access these improvisations that they had subconsciously. As which a, yeah which is crazy complicated yes. and we don't even know who ford is at this point
1: we are mi- meant to assume that he is in charge yeah. or the creator of these things or something but yeah these reveries are to make the hosts more realistic yes give them more depth and make them just more human which as bernard notes is what makes the guests fall in love with them is yes. how real they they are and yes these little these little specific reveries
0: that that are specific to each host make make it all the more interesting and not to get too too deep here you know but i will say that what really separates humans from robots is that we are a product of our past we have a past that we can base our future on which is like what humans are we're a collection of everything that we've done in our lives which is the fact that robots can do this now makes what's the difference between them and humans you know right, saying, you know yeah, the more, I mean, well, this is where we're
1: headed with all the AI stuff. is uh, It's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds. You don't
0: want robots learning and remembering. And this brings us to the second, uh, what, moment of the episode where Elsie just starts making out with Clementine. Yeah, she kisses her. And Elsie, you know, she's an employee
1: of the company that's running Westworld. And uh, that's probably frowned upon. She tries to do it a little secretively. It's interesting because all of the rooms that they analyze and repair these hosts in are made with straight-up glass. They are see-through. So anybody could have seen her, but it tells us a little something about Elsie that we didn't know without her doing that. Elsie. Elsie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it's one of the first things you think Watching this show and one of the first questions it makes you ask as there is, you know, some nudity in, in, introduced and uh, the concept of being able to visit a place like this as a guest. The question you 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 think about sex, like, would you have sex with one of these things? Yeah. And that's it just kind of pushes that forward. Even f- like Elsie's kind of like she's, she just wants to see what it
0: feels like to kiss one yes. of these. But hosts. this is another example to me of like you've been probably doing this job for years. How is this still new to you? You know, well, but the re- the, I think the reveries oh it made it more Introduced a new element of it to her where she started. It, it made her probably pushed her to the point where she was like, okay, I want to see what this is like. So we think Elsie is into putting your hand on your your finger, touching touching your lips. Lip, yeah. So yeah, wow, that's yeah. very. I did not think about that. Yeah. Very interesting. Deep shit, bro. Very deep. Uh, so, okay. So after this, we are introduced to Ford, and we are introduced to him through. Uh, there is a disturbance in sub level eighty three, or as they call it, uh, a livestock problem. I love that they call the host livestock. Yeah,
1: it, uh, the terminology is very interesting. All the different ways they refer to the hosts, the the visitors, the guests, livestock, newcomers, the guests, yeah. newcomers. Yeah, there's all these different terms,
0: which makes it all the more real to yeah. you as a viewer. So the person who says there's a livestock problem is Teresa. So if we're led to believe so far that Ford is like the big swingin' dick, Teresa would be the big swingin' vagina. She seems like she's the manager of yeah. some kind, that
1: she's in charge of these other people. Her attitude, the way she talks to everybody would lead you to believe that she's very much an authority figure.
0: What is her accent, speaking of the way she
1: talks to people? I don't know. That's a good question. It's not something I could put my finger on. Like your lip, Clementine? Sure. But yeah, problem in sub level eighty three, which we have no idea what that is, and uh, it. This whole scenario that unfolds here, where they have to go down there, to
0: check it out, is really interesting. Yes, and I'll let you walk us through through it. But yeah. So one thing about Teresa is in this conversation with Bernard where she's saying you guys need to go down there and find out what's going on in sub-level 83 with this livestock problem, she says that the hosts are only Bernard's until they stop working, and then they're hers. So we can believe she's sort of like in charge of the messed up hosts.
1: Right. Bernard is in charge of keeping the hosts functioning and making sure that they work correctly. Once they stop working correctly, Teresa comes in and cleans shit up. And disposes of
0: problems and, and handles the yeah. management of the overall park, yeah. So, Sharice also says the park hasn't had a critical failure in over 30 years, but they don't tell us what it is. Classic blue balls technique. Interesting thing here. It, it seems like that's a big deal, something that could
1: come into play. Yes. A critical failure does not sound good, and it's the second time we've heard 30 years mentioned. Yeah. Because the man in black has been oh, coming
0: for over 30 years. Didn't even think about
1: that. Perhaps he was a part of the critical failure. Perhaps he knows of it. I don't know. We're like a lot
0: of 29-year-old people, 30 seems to be a very important year. I'm 30. Are you really? Yeah. Jesus, fuck. Yeah. yeah. That's wild.
1: But uh, And I haven't had a critical failure in over 30 years <laughs> either. <laughs> That's a very big lie. Yes, it is. There's I've had a t-shirt with your mugshot on. It. Many, many critical failures have taken place in my park.
0: I'm sorry. That's all right. So we go down there. Uh, we're with we're with uh, oh Luke Hemsworth's character, that guy. Yeah, so he's like the security guy. Yeah.
1: He's like in charge of uh, making sure that everybody's safe. You know, they're dealing with AI here, and while it is under control, like they are controlled and they're not supp- supposed to hurt the hosts or the guests or anybody that works at Westworld, they have security measures. They've got a team of people To ensure the safety of not only Westworld
0: employees, but guests as well. So Luke Hemsworth's character, his name is Ashley Stubbs. Ashley Stubbs. That does not sound like what I... If you look at him, he does not look like an Ashley Stubbs. Eh, whatever, I I buy it. Ashley Stubbs. We go down there with Bernard and Ashley Stubbs. Yeah, they head down to sub-level 83, this security squad, and Bernard, who's going with them, accompanying them. And this is where we see cold storage. Right. Which, number one, is not that cold because was a freezer malfunction and everything's, like, defrosting, which is why there's water everywhere. Very odd that they would let that be an issue for as long as it
1: has <laughs> been, apparently, but it, they give you some excuse. There's, like, there's other shit that they're worried about yeah. that's more important than this. Uh, it kind of, what it alludes to is that most of the attention of the company, of people running the show here, is given to the park, the guests, the hosts... The stuff that's happening on a day-to-day basis, while things down like in sub-level 83, who knows how many other sub-levels there are, I assume at least 83, uh, that kind of stuff kind of falls to the wayside. Yeah. Like, nobody's really concerned about that, which is a concern to you as a viewer. Immediately, you're like, they should probably yeah. be keeping better care of this shit. Like, what, what is going on here? Yeah, the, all that water rushes into the lift. That's not good. Why did you call an elevator a lift? Are you British? That is a lift. An elevator oh God. is less, like there's a difference to me. A lift has that like one
0: big, you know, it's a bigger, bigger, th- whatever. This isn't a podcast about lifts and <laughs> elevators. I will say, though, I'm going to go out on a limb and just and just say that I think hotel rules apply. So I think there's maybe 82 at least other sub floors because there might not be a sub level 13. Ooh, something to, th- something to think about. Fair enough. So we get down there and Ashley Stubbs is like, Oh, I, he looks in there and he sees that there's a, a minor disturbance going on, like just he, like they were called down for. Yeah, here's somebody talking. So he's about, he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna go fucking kill them." Like, draws his weapon, and and Bernard says, "Don't do that unless you're trying to kill the boss." Yeah. So and you see, see, this is when we're introduced to Ford. Yes, Doctor Ford, yeah. who now this is my favorite part about this interaction. Doctor Ford is in here, down in cold storage, because he wants to have a conversation with Old Bill. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's ta- he's throwing back whiskey shots with Old Bill. Old Bill, as we learn, is one of the first hosts ever created. You, when you watch him function, he's very animatronic in his movements. They don't look natural; they look clearly robotic. He makes these weird whirring sounds, like yeah. like like a, like a like a like a toaster. I want badly to know how they accomplished Old Bill
1: as a character uh, visually, because if that's just a guy acting, he needs all of the awards. <laughs> He Is incredible, or if they somehow had to implement CGI, or how much CGI was used, or if there actually is an animatronic old build that they built. Yeah, because that shit is impressive, it's very,
0: very cool. It was wild, you yeah. know. I mean, you know, how I used to go to, to uh. Birthday parties at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, yes. That's exactly what this reminds a- me and of. And you yeah. would see Chuck E. Cheese up there playing like the, the band. The, the Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese band. He, he moves like that where he'll like turn sideways <laughs> and, then, and then he can only move his arms and Chee- he'll turn sideways and can only move the arms again. Chee- yeah. Slightly less robotic than that. That's a bit of hyperbole, but very robotic.
1: No, I, they, they, it gives you the impression that they've made a ton of progress with yes. these, these hosts over the years.
0: Old Bill as your name tells you, as his name tells you, is uh, is very old. This also, uh, you also get a lot of feel for how old the hosts are by the conversation he has. Yeah. Old Bill might be the worst conversationalist I've ever met. I would... Having a conversation with him would be an absolute labor because all he does is he all he does is make terrible sexual toasts with over whiskey. Right. (laughs) Here's the woman in the red shoes, and you're like, "All right, okay." Basic ass Bill, and then he's like, "Here's the woman in the
1: black shoes." (laughs) Like, well, so the the first the first question it it you know leads me to ask is, uh, so why does Ford come down here and talk to this old Bill? You know, great question. It's like. It to me seems like it's so he can
0: try to keep stay connected with where they've come from, yeah, with the past of the park. Because there's no chance he was going there for a conversation of any enjoyment. It doesn't seem like it's for the entertainment. No, no. Uh, it could serve a little bit like a psychiatrist in that old Bill's
1: not really giving you much response, mm-hmm. so you can kind of just talk through whatever you want, and old Bill just has to sit there and listen. And you know the, the woman in the yellow shoes. And, yeah, and she just says he just toasts to different colored shoes, and then uh, he he doesn't. You don't have to pay him. He's free. He's a yeah. free psychiatrist.
0: So that's what I think Ford mm-hmm. uses him for. And so this conversation that Bernard has with uh, Ford, Ford, he is like reminiscing with Ford about how far the park has come. Um, but then, so Bernard says it's been, it's remarkable to see how it's gone from old Bill to everything they have today. And Ford says about the word remarkable, he says, that's a word for it. That's a word for it. Yeah. It, it, Gives you the impression that maybe Ford doesn't feel it's remarkable. Yeah. That
1: he has a different take on the way things have gone and how they've gotten to where they are today.
0: Like, clearly Ford is impressed by how far they've come, but it's like he thinks it might not be like... It's a foreboding Yeah, quote. yeah very foreboding. That's a word for it. Like, th- yeah. Yeah. So, what the fuck does Ford think?
1: I don't know. Hmm? That's hmm. that's what we're going to have to find
0: out. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, so after this, cuts back to Westworld, and it, it goes right back into Dolores kicking off her normal daily routine uh, with her father. And so this, this brought up to me when I, was, when I was watching it, something that I never really thought about was that these hosts are carrying out their normal storylines and having conversations and the normal relationships they're programmed to have, even when there's not a single guest or newcomer around. Yeah,
1: it's like the old uh, if a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody there to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, in this case in Westworld, yes. All of the hosts are still f- making sounds. They're doing everything that they do regardless of whether or not there's a guest there to see it. Which is crazy to me because why? That's why do they, the they need to a program? program? They, they I don't I don't know why they would program them to op cuz there's For it all to be as real as it is, they have to have every host living, breathing, and going about their day all over the park, because anybody could go anywhere at any time. So the only way it would make sense is if, like, all right, fine, let's say Dolores doesn't need to be living, breathing, talking, walking, unless she's going to interact with a guest. She'd have to skip right to the part of the loop that she's supposed to be in, so you might
0: as well have it playing out already. That makes sense. It's just, it's isn't that a crazy thing to think it, about? It's an interesting so, perspective, yeah. I mean, because in terms of like, you know, people that you interact with who are r- robotic, I'm used to Pokemon trainers who don't do a single thing until they you get directly in their line of sight, and then they interact with you.
1: Right. Okay.
0: Or, Weird, but okay. Yeah, and then the opposite of that, uh, just to go on a tangent, is cockroaches who do stuff until they see you. Yeah, that's true. You ever think about that? <laughs> no. But, uh, think any other Westworld podcasts are making are making leaps like this? <laughs> no. That's why you're listening to the number one Westworld podcast, as proclaimed by me, right now. Sure. Sure. So this is why I said earlier Teddy's like whole routine is interesting. So Dolores' natural routine with no Teddy, because like I said, Teddy's routine changed from the first and second time. Yes. So, as you'll see, Dolores' routine, because Teddy's changed, Dolores has changed. So, her natural routine that she's programmed to do, with no Teddy or any other outside interference, seems to be run, on, run errands in Sweetwater, go paint by the river. Right. and Come home. Come home. So, she didn't do it the first time because of Teddy. He came in, talked with her, and they, they went back, did the whole Judas Steer thing. Yes. And here's something I was wondering. So, did the man in black... Bring Walter and Rebus with him to kill Dolores's parents, or would Dolores' parents have been killed by Walter and Rebus anyways? We don't know the answer to that, and it is a good question.
1: It's w- to what degree can the visitors, the newcomers, the the paying customers control and affect the storylines if they want to? Because like, could later, they convince o- yeah. these two guys, Walter and Rebus, to
0: come throw down with him? Like I think he did, only because at the end of the episode. When he, when uh, Peter's looking at the photo Which right. we'll get to in a little bit She goes back in and makes supper with her mom Right So clearly there it wasn't So it makes me think the only outside influence Was the man in black And that he brought Walter and Rubius with him That very much could be the case That's how I've interpreted it But I mean there could technically be another way But I just don't see that That makes sense to me That it was all That was just him and, you Unless know, doing his thing. But it was, it's crazy because And this is how the show gets you in tangents A different guest could have gone and killed Walter and Rebus that day. Yep. And that could have been why they didn't come to kill Dolores' parents. This show is fucking crazy. Very much a possibility. And that's, again, why you need them
1: operating all the time. Like, doing their whole loop. Because any guest could come through
0: at any moment and interact with them. That's why this... Like, I don't understand... Even if... Obviously, the show is amazing. The fact that anybody could ever like actually make a world like this that was so interconnected that was literally like playing God considering all the possible scenarios yeah. that could possibly play out is wild to think about. Yeah, it's wild to think about if this is, a, you know, this as a real possibility at some point. Freaking nuts. But we know you want to go there. How much would you pay? Man, that's a good question. I could see
1: something like this being like 10 grand. But the other question I have watching the episode is that's the question. How long do you get to go when you go? Is it yeah. just till you're done and then you leave whenever? Or is it like, because it seems like the man in black is, is spending a considerable amount of time. Yeah, it's been th- for over 30 years. You know, but I mean, even in oh, this. across one, multiple days. I'm talking
0: about this episode alone. Yeah, because it seems yeah.
1: like he is there for a long time
0: because we see mm-hmm. multiple
1: loops with him involved. Yes.
0: So it's, we know, I mean, it's got to be, unless this is him over the course of different, like, trips perhaps yeah because we're not we don't know yeah yeah because we, he's been not, here over 30 years it's privy be, to that yeah, information it's wild so now we're going to get into Teddy's second trip into Sweetwater right and the differences so before it went back into the Westworld headquarters we saw that he was on the train with the women instead of them so this time Teddy gets off the train the, the people there talking about how beautiful it is are not there Teddy bumps into the same guy he bumped into but this time his hat falls off uh, Teddy then is not chosen to, by the sheriff, to go and hunt Hector Escatón because there's a newcomer there, and the sheriff points to him instead. Right. This is, then this next point is something that y- I, you would never know, I think, unless you had closed captions on, which I had for my second watching of it this weekend. I always watch with closed captions now. It's so you've probably seen the scent. I, this I this is made This blew my mind. So when Teddy, Clementine's like, oh, you don't have much of a rind on you, blah, blah, blah. He turns her down. But Mave doesn't give her quote because she's talking to these other newcomers. Yeah. These newcomers are Asian, and Maeve is speaking to them in Chinese. Right. So, so th- every fucking host knows every language. Yeah, the hosts are programmed to be able to interact with anybody that speaks any language. That is absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. I, I never had even thought about that before, the ability of hosts to, it rea- makes sense, to so. talk to people. Like- it does. Yeah. Gotta have mass appeal with your amusement park. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a big market, the Asian market. Yeah. So Teddy gets caught up talking to these guys who say, "Oh, I know that one." They don't know Teddy. I don't know Teddy. Oh, I know that one. That yeah, like they host. this this is a dude who's
1: been here before, and he as he puts it, it, Teddy was like his you know own personal host that showed him around,
0: his guide. I think he calls him. Yeah, <laughs> like like he's just this dude who's like programmed to only help him out. Right. So he goes in, and so Delore... Teddy sees Dolores, but he doesn't go follow her because these guys take him away. So, uh, yeah, and that's why the man in black, rather than Teddy, picks up the can that Dolores drops. Yes. He's, he is very nice to her, very sweet to her. But he's not just trying to be chivalrous. No, he's just fucking with her. Right. Because he, we don't know if he did this before or after what he just did to her, but he's, we know he did it to her at some point. So w- we already know this isn't a good guy. This is not a good guy. Um... So then this is when the sheriff who uh, is out to hunt Hector Escaton, with this newcomer and his wife. Yeah. So they've
1: gone out on that trip.
0: Yeah. On that uh, mission, if you will. Yes.
1: If you want to think of it like a video game, yes. like where you go pick or a you, quest. Yeah. A quest. So those that newcomer
0: and his wife are out there with the sheriff. Like you said, hunting Hector. And the sheriff is giving them some sort of spiel that he's programmed to give and a fly lands on his cheek. He starts freaking the fuck out. And the most notable thing he does besides like kind of convulse and freeze up. He has like a stroke. He has like a stroke. His left eye, the, his, the fly is on his left cheek. His left eye starts following the fly around. Right. So. But not his right eye. Not his right eye. Just his left eye. Which is not a thing real humans can do so it prompts the man the newcomer's wife to go he's messing up let's get the fuck out of here yeah they dip out and i'm sure that was part of the reason why they came and checked on the sheriff and they grabbed him out performed like uh, some crazy brain surgery on him because he looked really really fucked up in that with his head yeah and this is when this is bernard teresa and one of my favorite characters lee sizemore yeah The transition is Lee Sizemore, British story writer, going, What the fuck is wrong with him? I love Lee. That he's a fantastic character. So he's just the snarky, uh, he's the writer behind all of the storylines in Westworld. That's what we find out. He's the guy writing the show, basically. Writing the Westworld show that these people are coming to see and be a part of. And he is pissed the fuck off that this guy, who's an integral part of one of his big storylines, is... All fucked up. Because what we, you know, through the course of this episode, by the end of it,
1: what we find out is that, so he would have written this whole thing. This whole, the sheriff and his posse going to hunt Hector. So he's pissed that this didn't work out for this host the way it was supposed to. Because that's not a good experience for your
0: customer. Yep. Yeah. And so we're we're taught that this is aberrant behavior. They use the term aberrant behavior, which I think we need to bring back the word aberrant Aberrant, like yeah, dude. I'm getting aberrant this weekend, man. I don't know if that's how you you would use it. Papa Molly, I'm aberrant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it either Departing way.
1: Departing from an accepted standard is the definition.
0: Yeah, dude. Don't get aberrant as fuck this weekend. Ew. Uh, just kidding. I'm gonna stay in. Um, so, anyways, we are. Teresa asks Bernard if this could have been caused by the update, and Bernard's like, probably not. But Teresa's not buying that. She and she so she goes okay, well, what if it is? And then we find out that 10% of the hosts so far have been updated. Yeah. Which means that if they decide to pull all the hosts out, 10% of the fucking hosts have been updated. Which messes up all types of Messes shit. up pretty much most of the storylines Lee has written. So he's livid. He's pissed that Teresa wants to pull them because he's like, you are messing up All of my stories that I wrote, this, what are we gonna do? Give the guests a gift card, like a gift certificate to come back? You can't do that. It's essentially like if you did a bunch of work
1: at your job and then someone came in and said, okay, well, thanks, that was great hard work you did, but
0: none of it's gonna be useful. Exactly. Exactly. So then we have uh, maybe the creepiest part of the episode, even more creepier than things that, the weird things that happen, is Bernard looking at Teresa's face. And asking if he can record her movements with his team.
1: <laughs> yeah, so
0: Bernard is a little bit of a creepy nerd guy. Low bet. Like, who are these people on his team who he just, they just sit together and they look at people's facial movements? Who are like unwilling? They 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 didn't ask to do this. They're just like, hey, can we? Can I study your face? Yeah, he wants to make Teresa's f- fucking eyebrows a part of the,
1: you know. Stuff that the AI can do. This is this is this
0: is creepy art student on college campus going up to a girl in the quad and saying, Can I paint you? Yes, that's exactly what this is. Yes. Like it's very off putting and Theresa did not like it. And uh very strange. She was like, You cannot do that. <laughs> very bad pickup line on yeah. Bernard's part. It it wasn't well
1: and again, I don't know that he was trying to pick her up, He just he's kinda doesn't understand I would assume that working in a situation like Bernard does uh it changes your social norms a bit. And this is a perfect example of how he sees everything in the from the perspective of Westworld, not necessarily like
0: the real world. Yeah, exactly. He, he's very he's very not in tune with like things. How normal that would, how unnormal that is. That would be very very weird. Especially with your coworker. That would get yeah. you, that would get you in HR. Very real quick. Weird. Oh yeah, that's HR for sure. So would making out with the host probably. Probably <laughs> yes. So this to me. Uh, On my second time watching it, I didn't even notice this the first time, there's massive foreshadowing, not to the whole season, no spoilers, first episode foreshadowing, Bernard is talking about, he says this host, the sheriff, is totally fine, I checked, and his core code is intact, he literally couldn't hurt a fly, which means that if you can hurt a fly, your core code is not intact, how does the episode end? Dolores hurting a fly. She smacks
1: a fly. Yeah. This
0: I think that right there was some very amazingly subtle very perfect dialogue that I, I did not catch at all.
1: Yeah, this whole the whole episode revolves around the concept of the core code, the 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 hosts behaving as they are supposed to based on their core code and and things going awry for you know, the people running Westworld.
0: Yeah. So we have that scene and then it immediately goes into uh the people, that squad that Teddy was rolling with, uh, they're in a brothel, and all of them are making fuck, and Teddy is just sitting outside like a massive virgin.
1: Yeah, so when these guys go take part in uh, extracurricular curricular activities that aren't necessarily a part of the quest, if you will, eh, the hosts don't necessarily partake. Teddy's not banging hookers with these guys. No. He's just taking them to show them the whorehouse or whatever, like like they put it. He's being their guide. But he's just sitting there kind of blank staring into
0: space. Literally into nothingness. But one thing that's very important is that in this scene, uh, while he's looking into nothingness, there's a fly in his face, and he's not affected by it at all, meaning he must not have been updated. And his core code is intact. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little hint they gave us, which is, I'm assuming, why they put it right after that conversation. And also, that could be wrong. I don't actually know. That's just my interpretation of that scene. Fair enough. Do you have the same interpretation? I did. Okay, there we go. Um, after that, we go to Dolores painting by a river, which, as we discussed earlier, seems to be part of her normal routine if she's not affected by Teddy or other outside influences. Right. Oh, uh, this is when she we find out that the hosts deflect if they're if they're ever like brought up with questions about their mortality, kind of, because you know this this little kid asks her, he's like, "You're not real." Right, and she's like, "What?" And then she just shooes them away.
1: Yeah, this family stumbles upon her painting at the river, and the little kid poses a question that to a
0: an AI wouldn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, because they're they don't they don't know that they're not real, right? Or and if they did, they it would it would ruin everything. Yeah, that's the whole point of the series, probably. The <laughs> whole the whole first episode leads us to draw a ton of questions about that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, right after this. Is when Dolores' dad finds the photo. Right. This um, is a photo,
1: of wh- it appears to be from the real world.
0: Yes. From outside of
1: Westworld, which would obviously present a problem being introduced into Westworld. They don't want real shit affecting their
0: show, basically. Yes. So, because, and what we do know is that, uh, the, the hosts, like Dolores looks at this picture and says, it doesn't look like anything to me, Yeah, which is why our tagline is, it doesn't sound like anything to me. We hear that quote several times yes. in this episode. I am very proud of our tagline and I would be lying if I didn't, or wait, I, I hate saying this. I would be lying if I did say that the reason I wanted to do this podcast was not because I came up with that tagline first. Okay. <laughs> it went tagline and then podcast. It yeah. was it was that's how that was the creative process behind this podcast. So, it doesn't look like anything to Dolores, but her dad clearly fucking it looks like something to it him. it has affected him. It has affected him. So, we can assume that he has been updated. That that is the assumption I would
1: make as well. Yes, cuz he there's the reveries yes have screwed with him. This is a, if she's yeah. she's still intact. Her core code is functioning as it should, so she is not affected by this outside thing being introduced into the world.
0: It doesn't look like anything to her, but it fucks him up. And it's even more stressed by the fact that this is right behind this thing about Teddy and the, the sheriff. We're quickly right. seeing the dichotomy of people who are affected by the update and people who are not. Yes. And so, th- now this is the craziest part of probably this entire episode that you might not even know about unless you're reading the rundown right now. Um, The picture Which is of a woman In Times Square Is a stock photo From Getty Images Oh wow If you have a Getty Images subscription You can look up Like Times Square woman And that photo Will be in your Getty Images Like Thing That's funny It's a Getty image So the woman in the photo Actually appeared on America's Next Top Model Cycle 10 This is real life This is not wow. in the show Yeah She's a model Who was on America's Next that Top Model That is
1: incredibly random
0: And she came out to say That she was like This is awesome because <laughs> she was not, she was not expecting. It. I don't think she was even consulted. I think they just put her photo in.
1: Well, if they have a Getty subscription, they it, don't need exactly.
0: Commercial. It saves you money than having to take a professional photo. Just go to hit up Getty. Yeah, there you go. So wow. the woman in the photo, um, yeah, she was on America's Next Top Model, and this gives us framing because you can see that whether or not that's an old photo, it's buried in the dirt. You're you're led to believe it's at least kind of old, you know. But it does show us that Westworld was around. At a time that looks similar to how present day looks for us right now.
1: Where at least Times Square exists. Yes. yes.
0: So, the woman in Times Square, we're led to believe Westworld is probably in the not-so-distant future, I would say. Sure. Not too far away, but... I don't but think we
1: have any context, really. Besides that. But it's at least, that. at least present day.
0: Yeah. Exactly.
1: But... Based on the technology involved, yeah, I think it's safe to assume that this is supposed to be a little bit into the future.
0: And the clothing—they're not wearing spacesuits. I was—I was always told that in the future they wear spacesuits.
1: Yeah, the people are dressed as you would expect. It's not some crazy futuristic fashion that's
0: taken over for the employees of Westworld. Yeah, they're—they're they're wearing like J Crew. Right. So, after this, we're in a conversation with Teresa and Lee Sizemore, the man. They have a conversation during which Lee brings up a phenomenal point, I think, about how Westworld works because guests know that the hosts are hosts, that they're robots. Because people don't want to believe that they're actually killing people or that their husbands are banging, sentient, other humanoid thingamajigs. Yeah, he, he's making an argument for not making the host too realistic. If they
1: become so realistic that you cannot differentiate between them and humans,
0: then it gets a little weird. Yeah. It's he not suggests a, it's not as much fun anymore. It becomes more real. He suggests instead of updating more, rolling back the updates, making them stupider, less less human, less, less realistic. Yes, less realistic. Which I think, you know, makes sense to me. I don't want to go there and actually fucking think I'm killing this dude who's an actual human being. You know? Right. It's like Grand Theft Auto. I'm killing people in Grand Theft Auto because it's fun, and I know there's no consequences. Yeah, and you don't feel bad because there was no life to them. Yeah, maybe you're on a you know TV screen. It's like naming naming the pig that you slaughter. But there is certainly a limit to that,
1: and this guy Lee Sizemore is addressing it. Yeah, where is the line before it no longer is fun and becomes mm-hmm. too real that that it emotionally affects the
0: guests and they no longer want to come back? He also thinks that Ford is very washed up and like <sniffs> past his prime. Yeah, and based on what we've seen of Ford so far,
1: he seems pretty disconnected. He's an older man. This is very much his creation, it seems like, mm-hmm. and uh, Lee has a good point. I think it fits well with what we've seen from Ford so far. He's kind of fucking around down there in Section 83 or whatever. Sub- old eighty three With Old
0: Bill and the woman in the mauve shoes. He doesn't seem to be in sync with the rest of the Westworld yes. team. And that's also why Lee tells Teresa that he backs her for succeeding Ford as head of the park. Right. Which is hilarious to me because Teresa, before this and after this, all she does is shit all over yeah, Lee Sizemore. a more. funny relationship. She's she, not nice to she him. She hates him. She's such. A, she is so mean to him. Every opportunity she gets, she makes fun of him for being bad at small talk. She corrects his grammar. And like, consider- I bet you that's a point of pride for him because he's a freaking writer. Yeah, he's a bit of a cocky prick, though. She calls him not smart and says that his support means nothing to her. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was good. Sick burn. She's very mean to him, and then she just walks away. Um, but she does cryptically hint that there is something else at play in Westworld than just people running an amusement park, which is kind of terrifying.
1: Right? She he. They both infer to the or refer to the differences in uh, motivation. Right, like the the guests have different motivations than the people programming them, than the executives, than the, everybody has different levels to this shit, and they kind of and in, in, they insinuate that there's
0: some bigger purpose for the highest ups for this park. Yes. Um. So that's the end of the scene with Lian Teresa, and we go from this right into. The player piano playing "Black Hole Sun." Yeah, I love the inclusion of uh, modern yeah. day music and random hit songs, and yep. it's very cool. We got "Black Hole Sun," we got "Paint It Black," we got Johnny Cash in the, in yeah. the credits. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's great. All, it's, it's a very one of my favorite things about this show. And while the player piano is playing, is when we meet arguably the most unfortunate host, probably of all time, Kissy the Card Dealer. Yeah, things don't go well for Kissy the rest of the episode. (laughs) First off, his name is Kissy.
1: That is a truly terrible name. I don't know how you get that name. Kissy? But I believe you have to have done something
0: that's not great because you don't want to be called Kissy. Kissy's a bad name, and he's just a car dealer. Um, And then his boss frisks him down because he thinks he's like stealing some of the chips, and it looks like he is... Because the guy takes chips out of Kissy's pockets, but I want to believe, because I like Kissy so much, that those were tips given to him by players. Well, it's
1: weird because he, he empties Kissy's pockets, which, first off, just from fundamentally is odd because these are two hosts interacting with each other. Yes. Kissy can't steal from the park. It just, just, the it, whole
0: thing is odd. He, anyway, he empties his pockets and throws the stuff on the table, but Kissy goes and picks back some of the stuff up. So, the way I interpret it was, I think that. The guy would have made a bigger deal if Kissy was actually stealing from him. Like Kissy seems to be pretty pissed. Like I don't. I think those were actually tips that were given to him. So he takes the chips out of his pocket. Yeah, empties the rest of his pockets, throws on the table. Kissy's all pissed. That just shows the level of like detail they put into this. They didn't need to put that in at all. Kissy could have gone home.
1: Well, there must be some reasoning for it. It wouldn't make sense for them to just write that in for nothing. So his reasoning is that Kissy is part husker. But I'm saying, somebody, you know. Lee or whoever came up with that conversation, yes. that interaction, yes. wrote it into these hosts, and there must be some
0: reason yes. for that. That's a great point. Maybe, maybe Kissy like turns. maybe there's a storyline yeah, where exactly. Kissy does rob the yeah exactly yeah and there, and there might be. Um, so after this, after he, he he is just berated by his boss is when the man in black comes and just slashes his throat. Yeah, it's very strange. Kissy
1: walks out like complaining bitching about his boss under his breath and then suddenly gets throat cut
0: <laughs> his throat is just absolutely slash and then and then the man in black just grabs him by a scruff and just drags him in the dirt yeah he's treating him like uh the livestock that he believes he is yes he kidnaps him and then later on he scalps him after making a comment about kissy's native american heritage pretty offensive this man this man had a bad a bad host. Life the man in black is like
1: trying to get information out of kissy kissy yes and we're not sure to what purpose or why it really doesn't make any sense it obviously these are things we're supposed to count on finding out more about as the show goes on Uh, but it gives you as the man in black puts it there's a deeper deeper level to this game that's what he keeps saying it it makes it lets you know there's deeper levels to this show Yes. While there is going to be storylines about how the park is run and the people managing it and the different things they have to do to update or fix or keep the park running as it should, there's also this this guest in the park, the man in black, who's been coming for 30 years, and he has some intention. We don't know what it is, but he's trying to figure something out to play some deeper game that he is not describing does in any way yet. But Kissy is the first victim
0: of uh, <laughs> of that game because he gets his head his, well, his head yeah. scalped, and maybe Dolores if that was first. We don't know, but we do see on Kissy's scalp is this like weird labyrinth sort of thing. It's
1: like uh, like if you if you were supposed to draw a maze back in you know like school or whatever. Yeah, a really shitty maze. Yeah. Just in
0: on the bottom on the underside of his scalp, and we the the show ends with that. It's, I mean, one of the last scenes is the man in black riding with the scalp. So I, I'm told we're going to learn more about that next episode. Yeah, he keeps it. It's tied onto his horse. Yes. Um. So that's that's the life of Kissy. Poor R. I. P. Kissy. Well, I assume he's dead. Unless yep. he's just walking around without a scalp. Yeah, I don't know. He, he... can you survive a scalping? The we- it was so weird. I, like the Man in Black. Yes, you can survive her scalping. The Man in
1: Black. Uh, in fact, in the Leonardo DiCaprio movie where he's in the wild, the rever- rever-
0: Revenant. Revenant. The Revenant. Uh, Tom Hardy's character had survived a scalping. Oh, and was yeah. So he has messed up hair as a result. So if you want to get a scalping expert here on the podcast, call into 800-392-6344 and hit us up. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so then we go into the saloon scene with Walter. The guy who was killed by Teddy after killing Dolores' parents who wanted to have sex with Dolores' mom's corpse. Right. So he is in the saloon and he's babbling on. He's drinking milk and he's just babbling on about milk and saying that like the milk is not for the guests, it's for him. And then he drinks the milk and it comes out of the bullet hole in his stomach that I believe is the bullet hole that Teddy made In his stomach. So he's been shot. He's been shot and he did not die. Which isn't supposed to happen. That is one of the last things that Teresa probably wants to happen in the entire world. Yeah. So I didn't really have, you know, too much of a take on this, but we actually have a pre-listener. This is a kid who emailed Ross and I, and he had a pretty wild take. His name's Garrett. Shouts to Garrett. Um
1: the fuck is a pre-listener
0: he, he he he's a listener now i assume but bef- he was a fan of the show before we even had to podcast
1: yeah he hit us up when we found out he found out we were going to be
0: doing the show and he wanted to help contribute so his take is that this was a reverie that affected walter i thought so too i thought it was a reverie from earlier in that night but it wouldn't make sense because he was still that was the same day because he'd been shot right he can't that still was the same narrative loop unless he had already changed narrative loops cuz that happened earlier in the night. What happened earlier in the night? Well, if you shot in the stomach, was that not Teddy shooting him? You know?
1: I don't I don't I didn't take away that that bullet hole that milk comes out of was from the interaction with Teddy. I I I took this as a totally separate loop.
0: Oh. And so. that
1: when cuz when they're shot and killed as we as we later see the park management comes in and, and does things to reset them and get them all back into yes. game shape. So he wouldn't still
0: have a hole. Uh, I thought that was the same night. And I will say right now that I just watched on my computer while recording, and he did not get shot in the stomach. He got shot in like the shoulder. So, yeah, that's a new bullet hole wow. that didn't take. And it might be from the,
1: the guest we see who's cowering in fear with his girlfriend or wife who... Uh, when he shot him, it didn't work. Yes. And that's why he freaks out
0: and is on the ground in a ball crying oh. or whatever. So, yeah. this all brings me back to Garrett's theory. So yeah, mine was wrong, clearly. I, had, I was completely wrong. You fool. Which happens, you know, we're not perfect. Uh, Garrett's theory is that this was a reverie that affected the host and that he remembered all the way back to his creation and it drove him mad towards milk. Maybe as some sort of like, as a child, you want milk. Obviously, hosts never have that, but... Maybe they have memories put into their brains huh. from their you know, like of being a child. Right. Do they, do they go that far back? The far? They have to. Because Dolores, like if you have a relationship with your dad, you can't have that genuine if it doesn't go all the way. Back. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how deep that goes. But that's Garrett's theory is that this, this guy, this reverie affected him so strongly that he went all the way back to when he was first created and he equated the, yeah, equated the milk to his creation. And that's why he was like obsessed with it there. Hmm. Huh. Very interesting thought starter. Yeah, uh, and we do see that Walter leaves the the saloon, and he, we see Rebus, aka Grand Theft Auto man, yeah. laying dead on the ground. Yes, and it looks like it looks like Walter killed him because he's pouring milk all over him well, and being a total dick he, to him.
1: We find out he did kill yes. him because of Teresa's commentary. She says that he's supposed to turn on him,
0: but not till yeah. some storyline exactly or whatever. And Bernard says that what has happened with this guy going crazy and killing... He killed more than just Rebus. He killed a lot of people in the saloon.
1: Yeah, there's like 15 dead bodies. Yeah.
0: So uh, Bernard says this murderous rampage that Teresa's freaking out about is actually good because it confirms that it's all part of the update. Yeah. <laughs> and Teresa's like, yeah, I, I knew that already. And so Teresa, who's pissed, uh, she recalled all the updated hosts and ordered all the faulty ones to be decommissioned we know the faulty ones so far as of right now in the in the the episode are just walter uh later on we see that it's also peter abernathy Dolores' dad right and that's why both of them are decommissioned at the end right um another thing about the reveries which is interesting so now that you bring up that it was a different storyline than when the man in black uh shot him and uh him and rebus one of the reveries as I brought up earlier is the milk and blood pooling together. You also see that in the saloon. Yes. So it could be that the milk and blood relationship from the reverie did impart itself in Walter in the saloon. Maybe he saw milk and he went, "Oh my god, milk." I equate this to murder and then he just started killing people. We right. don't know. Yeah. It's possible. Like
1: that that stuck with him. Exactly. From yeah. And that's possible. Yeah.
0: But we just we didn't see the lead up so we don't know. Um so yeah, all the updated hosts and our Are to be pulled And the way they fix that Is that Lee Sizemore Our man Is ordered to create A massively bloody saloon heist To cover up for all the hosts That are being taken out To be worked on Including the sheriff Who never got to go Track down Hector Eschaton Uh, Apparently The the heist was supposed to happen In a number of weeks
1: But he bumped it up
0: But he bumped it up So Hector just came on Into town Didn't have to worry about The sheriff hunting him down Sheriff was dead He actually used the sheriff's horse And gun And gun To come in on I love that line Yeah My favorite thing is the guy comes up to him, that's the sheriff's horse, you son of a bitch. Yeah. And he shoots him and goes, his rifle, too. (laughs) That was fantastic. That was amazing. It's also funny because later on, Maeve also calls him a son of a bitch. Yeah.
1: Well, son of a bitch, a common Western diss. Yeah. John Wayne always was calling everybody a son of a bitch. I actually think that maybe. Son of a bitch.
0: I think maybe it was Lee who was on a time crunch, got like, he was like, fuck it, I'm not going to think of a crazy insult. I'm on a time crunch everybody's just calling this guy a son of a bitch. Yeah, this guy's a go. son of a bitch. That makes sense. I think, you know, that's, that, and that's the level of, like, stupidity you can look into this show. Yeah. Like, that's that's a small detail that I'm just going to claim is real. Because well, as
1: Lee said, he was up all night yeah. with a ton of work. He got found a way to bump up this whole heist.
0: And so he was he made on it a work. Crunch. Yeah. Also, my favorite part about this Walter saloon scene is when this guy uh, tries to, you know, kidnap Clementine and Mae comes up behind him and literally blows his face off. And I mean, she put the gun behind his head, and you see on screen, as this man's entire face is blown off of his body, it shoots all over the player piano, and then the player piano starts playing an absolute banger with this man's flesh and blood all over it. I would like to make that banger the podcast intro, if possible. There may be some copyright infringement. I don't know. So after this, um, we go to... Peter Abernathy uh, is still looking at the photo. He's he's freaking out at this point. Before he was just very contemplative, you know, like he's looking at it, like what does this mean? What's going on here? Now he's freaking the fuck out. He starts going wild and starts being very f- manic and frantic. Right. Um, and it's very clear that his core code is affected at this point.
1: He's all jacked up. He is he grabs Dolores. Yeah. He's
0: yeah. He's be like you said, being manic, and so. What he says to Dolores, as we find out later on, but you know, once once you know what it is, you can see, read his lips. He says, "These violent delights have violent ends." And this is after he says something along the lines of, "I asked a question I wasn't supposed to ask and got an answer I wasn't supposed to know." Right. Uh, which is very cool sounding. All very uh, mysterious. Very mysterious. I like that dialogue. It makes me feel the fact that I understand it makes me feel smart. Makes you go what? You know, like I feel smart for being able to understand what such a cool sounding sentence. It's part of the reason I like the show. Good for you, Jared. Glad it makes you feel. I I really enjoyed that, Um, and so we we these violent delights have violent ends. Is from uh, Romeo and Juliet, and it kind of if you think about it, break it down. These violent delights, okay, things that you enjoy that have a sort of bad side to them, are going to end because of the bad side, essentially. So the way that I interpret it, at least, is that. You enjoy coming to this park and killing people and having sex with all these prostitutes and doing whatever the fuck you want. Those are all bad things you enjoy doing. They're going to end in a bad way. It's a fancier version of live by the sword, die by the sword. Exactly. Exactly. And so after that, we go and we see Abernathy and I believe Walter, too, being decommissioned. Is that right? Yeah. So we find out that uh, Abernathy Shakespeare is because he used to be a professor in a different build. Which further shows, number one, that his that the reveries are affecting him. He's he's, he's able to...
1: Access yeah.
0: old storylines, characters, deep down into all his programming, yeah. So I guess we don't really know... Well, we find out that his core code is affected because he threatens Bernard, right? All right but he, you can threaten people, you just can't kill them. So we don't really ever know if Peter Abernathy's core code is affected. Because he never heard a living thing. He surely wanted to. And he he was very aware. He was very aware of his own existence, you know, as as a as a as a slave to these people. Is that part of the core code? Do we do we know specifically? The whole thing
1: with his dialogue here is that we don't know. It it on face value looks like he is coming out of the system, kind of, and is aware of what is happening and who is doing these things to them, and that. He's becoming self-aware and figuring out what's going on. Yes, but do but we then know? Then it's explained to us. Yeah, that everything he says, yeah, is from past iterations mm-hmm. of his code, and in fact, he has no fucking clue what's going on. There Very was true. Some, some horror story he was involved with that is part of where he got his dialogue. The other part was from when he was a professor, all the Shakespeare shit. So none of it, or at least this is what we're led to believe by Doctor Ford. Was original thought. It was all shit that was programmed into him that he just coughed up in a certain order. But what that all means, we're yet to know.
0: Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because for me, I, I thought, I, I don't really know if core code includes your own self awareness. Because, you know, Dolores, she just deflects whenever somebody brings it up. But she doesn't, she can't physically process if you tell her that she's fake. Right. right. So for me, I, I couldn't tell if the fact that he he was seemingly aware, seemingly aware, Meant that there's a chance his core code was broken, but I agree with what you're saying in that the fact that all these things he's saying are just spouting out reveries. We don't know if he actually means them, or if.
1: Oh, it's all just big one big malfunction. One big
0: malfunction. That's wild. I I did not really think about that when I was watching it. Yeah. Damn. I really I took it at face value. I took it as him understanding what was happening, and you can see why. Teresa's so freaked out because she is on the side of he's oh my God, figuring this us guy's out, figuring it out. And Bernard, who's very analytical, is going, "No, this is because of how he's how we program him."
1: Ford isn't phased at all, but then he does look a little bit worried yeah. during certain parts of it. Like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't necessarily know if Ford, just like us as as viewers, knows exactly what's going on yet.
0: He's like in the middle. We don't know where he is, but we know where Teresa and Bernard are. And since those we're led yeah. to believe are the three biggest people. At the company that makes Westworld. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. And so, as we said, yeah, Walter and Peter got decommissioned. And it ends with uh, Dolores gets out of bed, as she always does. She walks out. Um, and she's a no longer- new. a brand new dad. Brand new dad. She's not smiling anymore. She's a brand new dad. She, she just reacts with him like it's totally normal. And like we said earlier- Dolores kills the fly
1: fly lands on her face There's a lovely voiceover Going on while this happens And she smacks the fly So Kill she is it. the
0: first host we've seen Whose core code has been broken In terms of being able to harm a living thing
1: But at the same time She's also so far But she was interviewed by the security guy yes. Whatever his name is And, and he said was, her core code is fine She's played it off and not been found out yes. So she lied which is also very concerning.
0: Yes. And so to follow the fly storyline, you have the fly on Dolores' face. It, it's on her eye. She doesn't do anything to it. She seems to be kind of in like the mode right there where they can't really do anything though. Right. So we don't know if by that point or not, because we don't know when that is. We yeah. don't know if that's we actually... Don't know
1: if she'd been updated yet or if she's just turned off right yeah. there or what the deal is. And that doesn't help at
0: all because she can't do anything there. She right. can't... All her, all her motor functions have been frozen. Right. <laughs> Great thing to say right there. So... Then we see the fly crawling on her face. We saw the fly crawling on her face, sorry. Then we see it on the deputy. He freaks out. We see it on Teddy. He's fine. And then at the end, Dolores kills it. Wild. So, yeah. So that was episode one. That's episode one. (coughs) Uh, I don't know how long that might go. What we got for time, huh? Hour 22. Hour 22. That's actually much better than I thought. I thought we were going to dive into the... 130s. And I believe
1: this is the longest running episode of the season, right? Uh,
0: is it? It's at least the one that requires the most explanation because yeah, you need to lay so, out a lot of stuff. It's just so
1: much. So yeah, typically we'll try to keep this, the podcast to around an hour. Yes. Um, and obviously Westworld being as complicated as it is, we will get better at breaking these down as we go. But we appreciate you uh, yeah, enjoying if, if episode if one with us. you're still listening to us,
0: thank you very much because Ralph and I spent a lot of time watching this show a couple times and Making all these notes down to try to you know have a good enjoyable podcast with you,
1: and it'll get deeper, and we'll we'll figure out more of it together as we go, and uh, it'll be fun
0: <laughs> enjoying all of season one, and you know
1: in preparation for season two.
0: So let us know what you thought about the show, what you think we could do to improve. I mean, we're on Grand X Labs because this is the experimental podcast feed where oh, yeah. we experiment with stuff. So we're oh. trying this out. We're that we baby. We're in the labs. We're, we're experimenting. So let us know. We seriously want to know if you have a way we can improve it. Maybe you thought there's a better way we can format it. Um, it's hard to compress so much into one podcast episode, and we want to do it as well as we can. So let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at FreezeAllMotor. Yep. And on Instagram at FreezeAllMotorFunctions. We're about to start pumping out no-spoiler Westworld content from the episodes that we've already watched. Oh, yeah. So that should be fun. You can you know follow along with the podcast and follow along on Instagram. DM
1: and- us on either of those, comment on Instagram... Tweet at us on Twitter. Uh, You can also follow me on all social media, at WRBowlin. Hit me up on any of those with any suggestions or critiques. And Jared's at Jared Borislow.
0: Yes, and uh, if you want to, rate Grand X Labs five stars. We appreciate that. Give us a review. Let us know. I will also say this. With the hotline that I told you, 800-392-6344, the first week is always the worst week for hotline calls. So I can almost guarantee you that if you call into our hotline, you will get on air on the next episode. That's that's a virtual promise. That's pretty true. Like, the, we'll probably get, like, maybe three, and we'll just probably play them all because we, we want to interact with you guys. So call the hotline. Call the hotline. 800-392-6344. There's a 99% chance you'll get on, and you can hear yourself on the airwaves. I would like to do an NPR-style sign-off because I've always wanted to do one of these for a podcast. Do it. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borslow, along with Ross Bolin. Special thanks to our producer, Michael Weiner as well as intern Garrett, who helped us format and prepare the show. Garrett actually has no idea he's our intern because I never told him. So, Garrett, if you're listening right now, consider this the official announcement that you are our intern. I'd also like to dedicate this podcast to my dog, Lily, who we had to put to sleep this past weekend.
1: God damn, dude.
0: You didn't tell me that. Yeah. I, I didn't want to have to put that on your mind, you know? Oh, sorry. Yeah. That's horrible. But she was very old. Very old dog. Uh, Maybe one day, if Westworld's real, I'll be able to hang out with her there.
1: You can reanimate her.
0: You can reanimate her. Get Shout, you, shouts period, to Lily. You got a job, man. <laughs> shouts to Lily. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.